0: of clipper craft clothes for men and 924 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Our stories are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is portrayed by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser.
1: Good evening, Mr. Harris, good evening. Good evening, Doctor. Good heavens, what's all that pile of envelopes you've got there?
0: That, Dr. Watson, believe it or not, is fan mail.
1: You don't say... You mean some of our listeners have really bothered to write to us about these uh, little reminiscences of mine?
0: Why, they have indeed, Doctor. What's more, most of our listeners seem to have a favorite Sherlock Holmes adventure they'd like to have you tell.
1: You don't say. Well, you know, Mr. Harris, I I always aim to please. Any suggestions for tonight's story?
0: (laughs) Hundreds, Doctor, hundreds, literally. And offhand, I'd say the most frequent request in this week's mail is for a story called The Copper Beaches.
1: The Adventure of the Copper Beaches... As a matter of fact, that's always been one of my favorites, Mr. Harris. Probably because of the curious secret we discovered in the attic. And uh, may I say here, I'm always happy to get fan mail. And speaking of fan mail, Mr. Harris, that's something you're interested in, too. From another angle, of course. How about it?
0: Quite right, Dr. Watson. Mentioning fan mail naturally brings to mind Clippercraft Clothes. Because of their millions of fans the country over. And there's good reason for these loyal followers... You wouldn't believe, yes, even clothing experts are amazed, that clothes as fine as Clippercraft are available at prices so exceptionally low. Now, things like this don't just happen. It's the result of manufacturing ingenuity and a really great distribution idea the unique, the famous Clippercraft plan. Now, this plan concentrates the buying power of 924 leading stores across America makes possible these truly phenomenal values at your own local independent store. In a pleasant atmosphere where you get friendly personal attention, you can buy Clipper Craft suits at only $35 and $40 and a few special numbers at $43.75. Top coats and overcoats are only $30 to $40 and sport jackets only $24. You'll always insist on them if you compare Clipper Craft clothes with clothes selling for many dollars more. Dr. Watson, now what about the Copper Beaches?
1: It was uh, a cold, gloomy morning in early spring. We were sitting on either side of a cheery fire in our rooms in Baker Street. Holmes had been silent and moody all morning, smoking his long cherrywood pipe, which usually displaced his favorite clay when he was in a disputatious mood. Altogether, he was in no sweet temper.
2: Matches, matches, where are the matches? Look at that confounded fog. What happens to all the matches in this house, I'd like to know. Oh,
1: my dear Holmes, why not use the tongs and a live coal if you want to relight your pipe?
2: Uh, I've burned myself. For
1: heaven's sake, Holmes. Stop spluttering. I see something's annoying you. Why don't you get it off your chest?
2: It's that latest book of yours. Hmm? Sensationalism, Watson. Rank sensationalism. You're always placing the emphasis on the crime. Crime, logic, is rare. You should stress the logic. You've degraded what should have been a course of lectures into a series of tales.
1: Now, really, Holmes, it's not logical. You're almost complaining that crime is falling off. You say there are no first-class criminals left.
2: Quite. And therefore, if you depend on the crime to hold your readers, you'll soon be a back number. Criminals. <laughs> They've lost all their enterprise and originality. Might it be to be degenerating into an agency for recovering lost lead pencils and giving good advice to young ladies from boarding school? <laughs> advice to the love lore, eh? Well, look at this. This note that came in the morning post. Mr. The last straw, that's what it is. Here, read it.
1: Jimmy, let me see. Dear Mr. Holmes, I am very anxious to consult you as to whether I should or should not accept a situation which has been offered me as governess. I shall call at half past ten tomorrow if I do not inconvenience you. Yours faithfully, Violet Hunter. But it's almost
2: eleven now. Exactly. She's late, just like a woman.
1: Nice. I say, Holmes, this must be the young lady now walking briskly up the street.
2: Let me see. Hmm, brisk, purposeful manner, nice, bright, intelligent face. Yes, she's stopping at our door. There may be something in this case after all, my dear Watson. Yes, she's not the hysterical sort that makes a fuss over nothing. Shh, here she is. Come in.
3: Oh, how do you do? Uh, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes.
2: Quite. And this is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you how do? How do you do? Won't you sit down?
3: Thank you. I trust you'll excuse my troubling you, Mr. Holmes, but I've had a very strange experience... And as I have no relations of any sort to advise me, I thought I'd best come to you.
2: I shall be happy to do
3: anything I can. I, uh, I've been a governess for five years in the family of Colonel Spence Monroe. He's been transferred to Nova Scotia, so that for the last few months I've been without a situation. But the money I had saved began to run out. I... I was at my wit's end. Go on. Yesterday, I called at a well-known employment agency run by a Miss Stoper. When I arrived, the outer office was filled with young ladies looking for situations. I was told to wait. I did so. After about half an hour, my name was called out. Well, the door to Miss Stoper's private office was ajar. Seated beside her was a prodigiously stout man with a round, smiling face and a heavy chin. His eyes were like two little slits in my dear come in uh, mr rucastle this is miss uh, oh yes what is your name my dear miss hunter violet hunter oh yes violet hunter
4: capital capital i couldn't ask for anything better i'm sure you will do miss hunter
3: but i uh, i hope so mr rucastle you're
4: looking for a situation as governess. yes sir uh, what salary do you ask
3: well i i had four pounds a month in my last place
4: four pounds sweating Rank, Sweating. How anyone could have the audacity to offer that to a lady with with such attractions, such accomplishments. My,
3: my accomplishments may not be all you expect, Mr. Rewcastle. A little French, a little German, music and drawing.
4: My dear Miss Hunter, all that's beside the question. The point is, are you or are you not a lady? Well... The answer is yes. A lady fitted for the rearing of a child who may someday play a considerable part in the history of his country. Your salary with me, madam, would commence at a hundred pounds a year.
3: A hundred? Oh, Mr. Rowcastle,
4: Furthermore, it's my custom to advance my young lady's half their salary beforehand.
3: Well, may I ask where you live, Mr. Rowcastle,
4: Hampshire. Charming rural spot. The Copper Beaches is the name of the place, five miles north of Winchester. The dearest old house. And...
3: And what would be my duties?
4: One child, a dear little romper, age six. Oh, if you could see him killing cockroaches with a slipper. Smack, smack, smack. three God before you could wink.
3: (laughs) Well, my sole duty, then, is to take care of this... This child.
4: Well, I am sure your good sense would suggest that you obey any little commands which my wife, wife might give.
3: Well, I should be happy to make myself useful.
4: In dress, for example. We're fatty people. Fatty, but kind-hearted. If you were asked to wear a particular dress that we might give you, you, you wouldn't object to our little whim, eh? Why? Why, well, no. Or to to sit here or there. That wouldn't be offensive to you?
3: Why, why no. Or
4: to cut your hair short before you came to us? My,
3: my hair
4: oh yes it's it's quite essential it's it's a little fancy of my wife's you see and ladies fancies my dear miss hunter they must be consulted but
3: but my hair oh no i couldn't
4: no what a pity in that case mr Cooper, i'd best inspect a few more of your young ladies
3: good day then miss hunter i'm afraid you must consider yourself struck from our list you can hardly expect us to exert ourselves to find another such opening for you. But, Miss Stoper, good day, Miss Hunter. Oh,
4: just a minute, Miss Stoper. Let's not be too hard on the young lady. Uh, after all, my request was a bit sudden. Uh, perhaps, Miss Hunter, you'd like uh, 24 hours in which to consider the matter. And in view of the fact that you have particularly beautiful hair, I uh, I might be willing to raise the salary to £120 a year to, to recompense you for our little eccentricities. unusual
2: my very unusual my dear miss hunter what do you make of it watson
1: well, perhaps the gentleman's wife's a lunatic and he wishes to humor in her fancies to, in order to prevent an outbreak possibly watson possibly but
3: the money mr holmes the money oh, and i need it so
1: well
2: yes the pay is good too good why should they give you 120 pounds when they could have their pick for 40 there must be some strong reason
3: but i i have no choice
2: then you've made up your mind to accept
3: i must I thought if I told you the circumstances, you would understand afterwards if... Well, if I wanted your help. I should feel so much stronger if I knew you were behind me.
2: Yes, you may carry that feeling away with you. And if at any time you should find yourself in danger...
3: Danger? But what danger could there be?
2: My dear Miss Hunter, it would cease to be a danger if we could define it. But remember, at any time, day or night, just telegraph and I'll come to your help.
3: Oh, thank you, Mr. Holmes. Thank you.
2: Watson, it's been almost a week since Miss Hunter called and we haven't heard a word from her. I don't like it.
1: Oh, nonsense, Holmes. She seemed to be a young lady who is quite capable of taking care of herself. Just the same, I should never have permitted an unprotected
2: female to accept a situation like that. Data. If I only had some data. Can't make bricks without straw.
1: Well, at any rate, nothing very dreadful can happen out in the open country like that. That
2: is where you're wrong, Watson. It's my experience that the vilest alleys in London... do not present a more dreadful record of sin... than does the smiling and beautiful countryside. Holmes, you give me the creeps. The pressure of public opinion is greatest in the towns. There's no lane so vile that the scream of a tortured child... or the thud of a drunkard's blow... does not beget sympathy and assistance from the neighbours. But the countryside, my dear Watson, filled with its lonely houses... think of the hellish cruelty, they'd the hidden wickedness. Had our young friend gone to live in Winchester... I should not have this fear for her safety. It's the five miles of country which make the danger. See what that is, Watson. Yes.
1: Uh, Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. It's uh, a telegram for you, Holmes.
2: Give it to me. It's from Miss Hunter.
1: Uh, What does she say? Come at
2: once. We'll meet you at the Black Swan Hotel, Winchester, at three this afternoon. And at my wit's end, don't fail me. What do you suppose has happened? Hurry, Watson, we have no time to lose. There's a train from Waterloo Station in half an hour. If only we get to her in time. Yes, there's the black swan opposite the station.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, that is Miss Hunter waiting for us on
3: the steps. Oh, Mr. Holmes, it's so kind of you to come. And you too, Dr. Watson. I can't tell you how anxious I've been. I...
2: There, there, Miss Hunter. I, uh, Watson, you'd better handle this situation. You're better with hysterical women than I am.
1: Holmes, you are a cold-blooded fish. It's not hysteria, it's relief. It's all right, Miss Hunter. We're here, you know.
3: I'm really not as foolish as I sound. It's just that the strain of the last two weeks. But I'll tell you about that as we go along. There's a shortcut to the copper beaches through the woods.
2: Come along, then. Now, Miss Hunter, if you'll tell us what's been happening since you arrived at the Ruecastle household.
3: Well... Copper Beaches is a large, sinister-looking house, almost completely surrounded by woods. It depressed me from the moment of my arrival. I was met at the door by Mr Rucastle and his wife.
2: And is she...? No,
3: Mr Holmes. She is not mad. I see. She's a small, pale-faced woman, much younger than Mr Rucastle. In fact, I gather that she's his second wife. There was a daughter by the first marriage, a girl now over 20, but she's not living at the house. Mr Rucastle said that she could not get along with her stepmother. So he sent her to America, to Philadelphia.
1: America? How extraordinary. And uh, does
2: Mrs. Rucastle strike you as a difficult woman to get along with?
3: Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. She's shy and rather quiet. More than once I've surprised her in tears. At first, I thought it might be worry over the disposition of her child.
2: What's the matter with his disposition?
3: Well, he's badly spoiled. He's an ungovernable temper and seems to take a great delight in torturing birds and small animals. Pleasant little
2: beast. And the rest of the household?
3: There's only one servant. Toller is his name. A rough, uncouth man with a perpetual smell of drink about him. Why they keep him, I don't know. Except perhaps because he's the only one who can manage Carlo. Carlo? Carlo is a huge, underfed mastiff that's kept chained in the stables during the day. But at night they let him out. He's a terrible beast. Even Mr. Rucastle is afraid of him. i'm sure he'd tear any trespasser to bits Hmm.
2: i wonder why mr rucastle desires such ferocious protection
3: i'm sure i don't know unless unless there is something on the top floor of the west wing that he wants to hide
2: the west wing eh?
3: yes the door that leads into it is opposite my room it's kept securely locked i have noticed mr rucastle going in and out a couple of times the windows of that wing are all shuttered too and locked from the inside.
1: Mm, Looks nasty to me, Holmes. Watson, don't interrupt.
3: Well, the second day after my arrival, immediately after breakfast, Mr. Rucastle asked me to put on a dress which had been laid out on the bed for me. What was it like? It wasn't a new dress, Mr. Holmes, but the material was excellent and of a particularly brilliant shade, an electric blue.
1: Oh, charming colour, I thought.
3: I put it on and went down to the living room. Mr. Rucastle had placed a chair for me by the front window.
4: here with your back to the window, you may read this book aloud. (laughs) A French novel. I I think we'll uh, find it most
3: uh, amusing.
4: After an hour or so, you may go back upstairs and change to your own clothes.
3: But, Mr. Rucastle, I don't understand. Who
4: asked you to understand? Just do as I say.
2: (laughs) Strange. Very strange, Miss Huttart.
3: I've had to sit there in the window for an hour every morning since then. As time passed, I became more and more curious. Why were they so careful to keep my face turned away from the window? Naturally, I was consumed with desire to see what was going on behind my back. Well, today I devised a means. I noticed at breakfast that Mr. Rucastle had had quite a few drinks. A happy thought seized me. My hand mirror had been broken. I concealed a piece of it in my handkerchief and later in my book feeling sure that Mr. Rucastle was too drunk to notice. By holding the book up, I was able to see everything behind me.
2: And what did you see?
3: At first, there was nothing. At the second glance, however, I saw a young man in a grey suit, leaning against a railing which bordered our field. He was looking earnestly in my direction. Mr. Rucastle must have noticed my surprise, for he burst out angrily.
4: Really, Miss Hunter, your attention must be wandering. That's the second time you've read that passage. Furthermore, there's an impertinent fellow up the road who keeps staring at you. Is it a friend of yours?
3: Oh, no, Mr. Rewcastle. I don't know anyone around here.
4: You kindly turn round and motion him to go away.
3: But wouldn't it be better not to notice Do him? Do as
4: I tell you. I really don't encourage you to have any followers. Oh,
3: very well, Mr. Rewcastle. There. Hmm.
4: Impertinent fellow. That'll be all for this morning, Miss Hunter. Be good.
3: But, Miss Rewcastle, I hope you don't think... Go to
4: your I- room, I say. Yes, sir. And after this, you needn't bother to wear that blue dress.
3: Homes, ...but on the way up, sir, I noticed that the, the West Wing had the key still in the lock.
1: Oh, Rue Carson must have been drunk to get that, eh, Holmes? Quiet, Watson.
3: I'll admit my curiosity was greater than my sense of caution. I opened and mounted the stairs to the attic. In the hall at the top of the house, I found three doors the middle one barred with the end of an old iron bedstead good lord it was terribly spooky up there once something brushed against my face (gasps) what was that? there must have been a bat oh dear is it? Is there anyone in there? who's there? can I help you?
4: Oh, (gasps) it was you then. I thought it must be when I saw the door open.
3: Oh, oh, Mr. O'Costle, I'm so frightened.
4: My dear young lady, what frightened you?
3: Well, I I was foolish enough to come into this vacant wing, but it's so lonely and eerie, and a bat swooped down into my face.
4: Is that all?
3: What what else could there be?
4: Why do you suppose I keep that door locked?
3: I'm sure I don't know.
4: It's to keep people out. We have no business there, you see.
3: Well, I, I'm sure if I'd known...
4: Well, you know now, my dear young lady. And if you ever put your foot over that threshold again, I'll throw you to the mastiff.
1: What a dreadful experience.
3: Mr. Holmes, I feel sure there's someone locked in that room. Someone who's unhappy, perhaps tortured. Oh, good heavens, it's almost five. I promised to be back by six. Mr. and Mrs. Rucastle are going out. Mr. Rucastle should discover where I've been.
2: You've acted like a brave and sensible girl, Miss Hunter. Yes, indeed you have. Dr. Watson and I will hang around until the Rucastles have left.
3: Well, that should be around seven. Good.
2: I don't imagine the mastiff will be let loose until they return.
3: Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. It will be too dangerous for them to get back to the house.
2: Excellent. We'll hope that Toller's still drunk. At any rate, you must get us into the house. We must explore the West Wing.
3: I'll do my best, Mr. Holmes. And now I must hurry. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, Miss Hunter. <laughs>
1: Well, my dear Holmes, what do you make of it all? The blue dress and the man in front of the house.
2: Obviously, they've had her impersonating someone. Someone young, whose hair had been cut off during an illness... That someone is probably the person imprisoned in the West Wing. How sinister. That is not the most sinister part of Miss Hunter's story, Watson. No? <clears throat> what is then? The unpleasant disposition of the child. But what has that got to do with it? My dear Watson, as a medical man, you are always gaining lightest of the tendencies of a child by a study of the parents. Heredity is a science that can be worked backwards as well. You can get a good insight into the character of the parents by studying the children. This child is cruel. Abnormally cruel. He probably inherits it from one of his parents. I only hope nothing serious happens before seven o'clock.
1: Gracious, what a night. The first thunderstorm of the season. Say, listen to that dog. He has an ugly temper. Look at
2: the copper beaches swaying in the wind. Yes, there's Miss Hunter standing in the front doorway. She's waving to us. The coast must be clear.
3: Come in, come in. Goodness, you must be soaked to the skin.
2: What's that pounding?
3: It's Toller. He was just going out to release the dog. I sent him to the wine cellar, then locked him in. Splendid. I managed to get Toller's keys this afternoon, too. He was quite drunk. They're duplicates of Mr. Ruecastle's.
2: Better and better. But come along upstairs. We have no time to waste. You got your revolver handy, Watson? Yes. Good.
1: Good heavens. that lightning must have hit
2: near here. One of the copper beaches, no doubt.
3: Now, which key? Ah, oh, this one I fancy. That's right. Oh, there's nothing here. Come along.
1: Listen to that rain on the roof. The middle door, you said. Hello in there.
2: No answer, I don't like that. Watson, help me remove this bedstead. Right. That's right. It's tied at one end. Cut the rope. That's it.
1: The the
2: door's locked. We must break it in, then. Come on. One,
4: two...
3: two.
2: Hello. There's no one here. That villain, Lucassen, must have made away with his prisoner. That's your right. She's probably been carried off. But how? Through the skylight. It's still open. Shut that table over here. All right. What what are you going to do? Stand on it, of course. Yes,
1: two pairs of footprints, and there's a ladder resting against the eaves. So that's how he did it.
3: But that's not possible. The ladder wasn't there when the Rue Castles went away. Then he
2: must have come back. A dangerous and clever man. Listen, listen. Yes, I think i hear his footsteps on the stairs.
3: (gasps) Oh, Mr. Holmes, it's Mr. Rue Castle! He'll kill us all.
2: I thought I'd find you here. Villain, what have you done with your daughter?
0: I'm the one that should ask that, you thieves, you robbers. I've caught you. I'll fix you.
3: Carlo! Carlo! Uh, He's gone for the dog. We'll be torn to shreds.
0: Quick, Watson.
2: we we'll must close the front door.
3: Let me out! Let me out! Mr. Rookas, let's lose the dog. He'll kill him! He's going to We're going to be too late.
2: It's Connor. Here are the keys, Miss Hunter. Let him out.
3: All right. Wow.
2: And give me a revolver. Careful, you don't hit the man by mistake. Shut up and stand back, Watson.
3: Oh, Mr. Holmes. Oh, thank heavens you've done it. You've killed Carlo. Oh, I thought it was too late. Oh, it's too horrible. I think I
0: feel... Now, 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 Miss
2: Hunter, you're out of danger. Just you go upstairs and pack your bag. Dr. Watson and I are going to take you back to town with us on the 9 o'clock train. And now, Watson, suppose you see if there's anything you can do for that villain, Rue Castle. He's not worth saving, but... I suppose your conscience won't rest unless you have a try at it.
0: And now, before Sherlock Holmes sums up for Dr. Watson, suppose we sum up for Clippercraft clothes. Regardless of price, you'll go a long way before you find clothes as fine as Clippercraft. Low prices are just half the story. Low prices like Clippercraft suits at only $35 and $40. Dollars. With a few special numbers at 4375, like top coats and overcoats at only $30 to $40 and sport jackets at only $24. No, it's what you get for what you spend that makes clippercraft values remarkable. Correct styling, perfect fit, truly custom-like tailoring, and rich long-wearing fabrics. All made possible by the unique Clipper Craft plan that concentrates the buying power of 924 leading stores across the country. Resulting in tremendous savings in manufacturing and distribution costs. Remember, all this is available to you in your own local independent store where friendly attention is traditionally yours. Selling beautifully tailored expensive clothes at inexpensive low prices at the nation's finest independent stores is the great big idea behind the Clippercraft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. The leading stores in the metropolitan area that bring you Clippercraft clothes are Saks 34th, Broadway of 34th Street, Manhattan, Abraham and Strauss, Brooklyn, the Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark, Newark, New Jersey, and the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue, Jamaica. These great, courteous, and friendly stores are proud to add their names to that of Clippercraft in the label of your suit, top coat, sports jacket, and overcoat.
2: So you think, Watson, that Rewcastle will live?
3: I'm afraid so, Holmes. Oh, I'm so glad to get away from that dreadful place. Yes,
1: I'm sure you are, Miss Hunter. I say, Holmes, just what did happen to the prisoner in the West Wing? Uh, and who was it?
2: It's all disgustingly simple, my dear Watson. It was Rucastle's daughter, as I suspected. It seems that she'd inherited some money from her mother. And when she threatened to get married and take her money with her, her father tried to get her to sign a paper giving the money to him. He worried her until she got brain fever and had to have all her hair cut off.
1: Well, where did you get that
2: information? From Toller. In spite of everything, Miss Rucastle's young man stuck to her and she to him. After that, Mr. Rucastle locked his daughter up... and brought Miss Hunter down from London in order to impersonate her... to get rid of the persistent suitor. This young gentleman, however, was a persevering chap. Oh, good for him. Having greased Toller's palm very thoroughly, he learned the true state of affairs. And with the help of Toller and a long stepladder... He rescued his fiancée. It's
1: really quite romantic, isn't it, Holmes?
2: (laughs) You and your romance, Watson. You're a regular old woman.
3: Well, I'm glad we were able to help the poor thing. But I wouldn't go back to that house again. Not for twice the salary.
2: Oh, uh, that reminds me, Miss Hunter. I was talking to a friend of mine about you the other day. Uh, She has a private school in Walsall. I believe she said she had an opening for you.
3: Oh, Mr. Holmes, you're not a cold-blooded fish at all.
2: You're a darling. Uh, now, <clears throat> now, my dear, it's quite uh, inconsequential. Uh, really, you know... It... Well, do I say... Well, shut up,
0: Watson. And what may I ask have you in store for us next week, Dr. Watson?
1: Next week, uh, suppose I tell you the story of a curious cadaver which was found in some recently excavated Roman baths. The dead body was clothed in the tunic and toga of a Roman senator. In
0: the last stages of
1: decomposition, I suppose. Oh, no, not at all, Mr. Harris. The body had the appearance of having died not more than a few hours previous.
0: of clipper craft clothes and 924 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Lochran with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Cadaver in the Roman Toga. If you'd like to attend the Sherlock Holmes broadcasts in New York, see your local Clippercraft dealer and he'll tell you how to obtain your tickets.